Hello, and welcome to the Star Power Cast, the definitive podcast for the game of Star Power Baseball, a game for generations where your fantasy baseball comes to life on the tabletop. We'll also discuss the history of baseball and just the present state of the game itself. I'm Jim Trovo, the baseball nerd, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Cincinnati Dennis. We hope you all enjoy the show. Okay, guys, welcome back. We haven't haven't been here for a while, or haven't done a podcast for a while. It's been about six weeks, I think. Been a while. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a few weeks. Yeah. So I think last time we talked, it was towards the beginning of the baseball season. So a lot of things have happened since then uh, in the baseball world. But uh, today we have a few topics that we want to discuss, about three exactly. Uh, we're going to talk about what's going on in baseball today, and we're recording this on May 30th, 2021. We're also going to discuss the current situation with this no-hitter business going on because it seems there's a lot of no-hitters going on this year. Pitcher actually lost a no-hitter because he didn't throw the full nine innings because of the double-header rules. And we're going to finish up our conversation today about the Negro Leagues and the sets that we are releasing through Star Power Baseball. Mm-hmm. Exciting. All right. Woo-hoo, Star Power Baseball. Right. Um, so here we are. We're going into June for the 2021 season. If you look at last year, this would be like almost the end of the season, according to like where we are right now. Yeah. Number <laughs> of games. This would have been it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super crazy to think about that. Um, so let's look at how the teams are doing. We're going to start with the AL East and the team that you're jumping on the bandwagon with right now is in first place. Yes, they are. Tampa Bay all the way. Tampa Bay all the way. Well, they're doing a really good job. Got of, rid of Willie Adams. I don't understand Starting that. shortstop. But you know what they picked up? They picked up two relievers, right? They picked up two more arms. Yeah. They say, hey, my shortstops, I've got 40 more in the minor leagues. But I need some big league arms. And Tampa Bay, don't question what they do. No, they're legit. Uh, The Yankees today just got swept by Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) They're so up and down this year. They are. And And the the, 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 the Detroit's a big league team. They're big league. Yeah. You know, they're not great, but they're. So is every other team in the big league. Exactly. These are major leaguers. Yes. Yeah, but they're not that good. Um, them better than me. I can't really say anything. Yes, they are. Boston, the Red Sox are still doing well. The Blue Jays are how I predicted. I think I told you they'd be right around 500. Right? They are up and down all the time, but you know what? They're one of the most fun teams to watch. They are. They have the best player in the league right now, in my opinion. Vlad Guerrero Jr. I think he is, is on fire. Yeah. I was hoping you would say him. He is a, he's my choice for, if, if not him and Shohei Otani, but he's my choice for MVP so far this year. I like both of those guys. Yeah. Uh, in the Central, man, we got Tony the, the rebirth of Tony La Russa going on in the south side of Chicago. And everybody was saying, this guy doesn't know the game. This guy doesn't know his team's in first place. Yeah, they're doing really well. <laughs> like, but everybody's saying, La Russa, the game's passed you by. You can't keep a hold of the dugout. You're losing them. He's in first place. Okay, not only is he in first place, the Chicago White Sox have an 80-plus run differential right now. No other team in the AL Central is in the positives. Amazing. They don't really have a lot of competition going on right now. Cleveland's above 500, but they, they just don't score that many runs. No, and Minnesota will come on towards the end of the season, but they're seven of their last. They're seven and three in their last ten games. So Minnesota's 
kind of coming back. They're kind of coming back, but I just like that White Sox depth. They're a very, very, very good team. So here's a fun Minnesota Twins fact that I saw yesterday. Josh Donaldson, third baseman for the Minnesota Twins, scored the two millionth run in MLB history. In MLB history, yes. Yes, he did. That's a trivia fact right there. All right, out in the West, this is a weird, weird division. So Oakland's still in first place. But they weren't. They started out like... Dead. Yeah, they, they, they were way under. Then they but won then they yeah, they won twelve four. or thirteen yeah. games in a row. They still have a negative run difference. And they're negative in the run difference. Yeah, yes. Houston's plus forty eight, but they're they're only four games above five hundred. Um, Seattle's staying right around five hundred, but that that race is going to come down to Oakland and Houston. And the Angels team just can't win. No, they're disappointing. They just cannot win a game. I mean, Otani goes deep, they lose. Trout goes out, he's out. For what another six weeks? Uh, I, I don't know. You don't know. That's I a mean, bad. It's a bad sign for Trout. It is a bad sign. Twenty nine years old. That could be a very bad injury. Yeah. Um, the Rangers. I think really the only thing they got going on for them is uh, Adolis Garcia. He's yeah. He's stepped up. He's, he's trying to get star. the rookie of the year. Is he a rookie? I think I, he's, I think he is. Yeah, but he's trying. He's like he's another person the Cardinals let go. Yes. <laughs> so they let go Adolis Garcia and the Randy Rosarino and the Tampa Bay Rays. Pay attention to how they do games, how they how they make rosters. Those two teams are the best managed baseball teams in the game. Yeah. And so moving on to the NL, with 17 players, I think, currently on the IL, the New York Mets are in first place. <laughs> <laughs> how is that possible? They have – oh, Lindor started to hit. Okay. Wow. He was batting over a little over 140 a few weeks ago, and he's just on fire right now. He had another home run yesterday. Yeah, but you can't count the Braves or the Phillies in that division. I really like the Braves in that division. The Phillies came on a little bit. The Nats are just terrible. Yeah. That, oh, they're terrible. Like, we're, my, my friend Sean and I were thinking that we want Scherzer to go to St. Louis. <laughs> I'd like to see that, too, because the Reds handle Scherzer. They beat him up already this year. Well, the Reds aren't going to do anything this year anyway, so. They're 500 maybe. They've lost seven in a row. Until today, they beat the Cubs. Yeah, the Reds aren't. Like, I, I, the Reds have one thing going for you, and I'll tell you in a second. So moving to the NL Central, uh, St. Louis still in first place, doing really, really well. The Cubs prefer, no, they're half a game up on the Cubs, and the Cubs lost today. Yeah, so they're, I think it's a full game right now. But the, the Cubs are doing okay. Uh, they got a lot of guys out too. They're overachieving right now. I Chris think. Bryant's having an emerging season he again. Is. Yes, Chris Bryant's on fire. He's he's doing really well this year. Um, Milwaukee's still above five hundred. Yelich is starting to catch on more. The Reds, nah, I, I'm kind of mad on the Reds. If they finish five hundred, I'm going to be a happy camper because they just keep they, they they get on a winning streak at the beginning of the year and then they've had three bad losing streaks. Yeah, and they're still reaching for five hundred. They're about five games under, six games under. Yeah, and then they have the two best hitters in the league. The two best hitters in the league. Yes, <laughs> like back to back, they got Castellanos and Winker that are leading the leagues in batting. And average. they have one of the best relief pitchers in baseball, and a guy named T.J. Anton, who you probably haven't ever heard of. No, this guy is incredible. He is a relief pitcher for the Reds that when he comes in the game, everybody stops and watches him because he's got such amazing ride on his pitches. They move so much. It's like throwing a Frisbee. Yeah. So, And then you got Pirates finishing off in there. Very yeah. terrible. Yeah. All right. In the West, you still got San Francisco so, holding on. Like The Padres are in first place, 34 and 20 at this time. Um, 
And then San Francisco was beaten up on the Dodgers today, I think, on Kershaw. Uh, but, man, that, that who thought it was going to be a three-team race in that in that? I division? still don't think Frisco can hold on. I do. I do not think they can. I think if they're going to be in it midway through the season, they're going to go out and make some trades. They're going to have to. Gonna they already did, but I do like that. Uh, they went and picked up Mike Talkman from the Yankees. They did, but I do like the Dodgers in that division. But I think that San Diego will be deep enough to take the Dodgers down. Yeah, they, but they got to make sure Tatis still stays healthy. Boy, he can play. Yeah, that boy can play. He's. A, did you see him hit that home run uh, tie up the game yesterday? He's, a, he's something else. Yeah, he's amazing. He, he's. he's I also got to watch him when he's. There. I also think. That he probably thinks that about himself as as well. That's fine with me. So such a big. That's true, but Tatis is the biggest Tatis fan. So you got that. <laughs> um, so, like I said before, T- Castellanos and Winker are leading the league in hitting. Uh, the Pirates do have a Adam Frazier who's hitting three thirty three, so mm-hmm. he's up there. Uh, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox are up there in hitting. Uh, the guy that I love right now, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's in the top 10 categories all throughout uh, offensive categories. You'll find him in average and home runs and OPS. And so uh, like, Vlad Jr. Is, is, is amazing right now. He was tied for the league in home runs with Adoles Garcia um, with 16 at this current time. So that's one on pace to hit about 50 maybe. Close to it. Close yes, to it. Right there, right there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think Vlad's probably going to finish around 305. Because the average always dips a little bit. I think Vlad's a 280-37. So I'm going to say 305, and then I'm going to say 42. I hope you're right. I want to see Vlad do it. Yeah. I like that they moved him to first. He's liking the move to first base, and he's playing very, very well over there. Yeah. So pitching-wise, who we got pitching-wise? Jacob DeGrom. Isn't he out? He's something. He got hurt, didn't he? He's something else. Jack Flaherty's leading in wins. I know that's your favorite category. There you, go. you love the win category. Uh, who's leading in uh, strikeouts? Let's see there. Uh, Shane Bieber leading the world in strikeouts. 110 so far for the Beebs. Uh Tyler Glass now. Got almost 100. And Derek Cole, Max Scherzer, the, the same. The big boys. The big boys. Zach Wheeler's up in the top five. And Trevor Bauer's there too. I heard an interesting, interesting stat about Trevor Bauer. And it's about rotations per minute. The, the stat that they used to see how fast the ball spins. And uh, I'm not going to be exact on this, but Trevor Bauer has the fastest spin rate on his pitches per pitch in the league. But the next closest person isn't even close. It's like by hunt, like a few hundred pitches close. Yeah, that's, that's so, what he's working on. Yeah. He, he's right up there in the league. He's yeah. leaders among leaders in ERA. Yeah. With and he's also going deep in the game. Yeah, the Bauer, the, the Bauer, really Kershaw, Urias, um, Bueller combination and Dodgers starting rotation is really, really good. And it's going to be tough all yeah. throughout. But it, it's going to come down to them and the Padres, and they're going to play three big series right at the end of the year. Yep. So that's what's going on in baseball today in the current state of the game. Um, so let's move on. All right, so we've experienced this season so far six no-hitters. And some may argue there should be seven because Madison Bumgarner went seven innings no-hit ball for the Diamondbacks in one of the double-headers this year. And, I, and I'm calling it a no-hitter. It is because this is my reasoning behind it. If he goes seven and finishes, they give him a complete game. That's true, but why, why aren't they saying that's an official no-hitter then? 
because baseball rules record keeping holy men think that it has to be the old way. It's baseball's new, man. Bat flips, fist pumps. I love the new game. I love it. And Madison Bumgarner got a seven inning no hitter. Move on. No, but no, he didn't. <laughs> That's the thing. I know. So like he he did. So it, like it's like the Armando Galarraga supposed to be perfect game years ago before they had replay. I know. You know where it's like yeah. he should have. He, they should go back and say, hey, he has a perfect game. Right. But this is this is mm-hmm. a, and it really doesn't matter. I mean, what's going to make Madison any more money? Is it going to stand up in the record books? I mean, no. I mean, it gives him a, it gives him a no hitter. It gives him a feather in his hat. You can't, but like that's the thing. You can't officially say it is now, and that 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 kind of like clouds it for him. It's like, hey, you threw a no hitter, but it's not historically recorded as one. And we'll get a little bit more to Madison Bumgarner here as we speak about brand new cards that are coming out. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking. They were calling it the year of the no-hitter. Like, hey, you're a no-hitter. Six no-hitters so far. And I was like, okay. Surely there's more seasons out there where they've had a multitude of no-hitters, right? And so what I do, I've pulled up the list of no-hitters here, right? And uh, let's just see. One, two. I'm not going to count them all like single digits here. But there's a lot of lists to scroll down here. There is 313 no-hitters recorded in uh, I'm being careful when I say Major League Baseball because I'm going all the way back to the 1880s. All right. Okay. So, and the very first no hitter, I don't, I'm, I don't want to make you guess, but was it by was by a guy, and this was in 1875. I guess we're going beyond 1880s. Uh, named Joe Borden. He also threw the second ever no hitter <laughs> in Major League Baseball, and he did it, did it a year later in 1876. All right. Uh, the first year that there was at least four or plus no hitters was 1880, and there were four of them in that season. And I start scrolling down, and some there are some big names, like big dead ball players that threw some no hitters. You got John Montgomery Ward, you got Pud Galvin, Old Haas Radburn. But 1884 was the first year that was like several, several no hitters. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight no hitters thrown in 1884. So I'm going to dub that the year of the no hitter, unless 2021 comes along and says. And, and and does, yeah. <laughs> so like, but 1884 had eight no hitters thrown. Um, and the man was 55 feet away. Right. Well, that's true. But still, hey, it's recorded it as a no hitter. And it's a no hitter. Okay. Yes, so yes. they're going to say that's a no hitter, but Madison Bumgarner, no. So as we go down, Cy Young got his first ever no hitter in 1897. All right. And I think he had a total of three. Right. Um, the very first, or was it the very first catcher to ever catch back-to-back no-hitters? Because they made a big thing about last year in 2020 when Victor Caratini was the catcher that caught both of those no-hitters. No yes. All right, so he's, he caught him back-to-back. There was actually a catcher that did it before him. Um, and where was it? Oh, yeah, in 1917, um, there was a no-hitter by the St. Louis Browns by a guy named Ernie Kube. And then on May 6th, the, the next day in 1917, it's the same St. Saint Louis Browns team, Bob Groom threw a no-hitter. The guy behind the plate for the St. Louis Browns on those back-to-back days of no-hitters, Hank Severide. Yeah. So he caught back-to-back no-hitters in back-to-back days. I bet that's never happened again. Yeah. So we probably need to go back on Hank Severide's card and put that on there. That first. would be cool. Yeah. Yes. So Hank Severide, he's amazing. Um He's also, I think I've got him, uh, I know I've got him in the Dead Ball Era teams, the 36-card sets. I don't think he was enough to make the all-time Orioles. 
Probably not. Orioles Browns. Yeah. Um, another great no hitter fact, and you will like this one, is about Johnny Vandermeer. Do you remember this one? Definitely. Through two in a row. Through two in a row. June eleventh, nineteen thirty eight, through a no hitter. Uh, his catcher was. Do you know this one? Ernie Lombardi. Ernie Lombardi. And five days later, or on June fifteenth, I guess four days later, Johnny Vandermeer threw another no hitter. This time against the. Uh, actually, the first one was against the Boston Bees. Get, yeah, and then another the next one was against the Dodgers, and Erling Erling Lombardi caught that one as well. Yes, and that one, if I'm not mistaken, that was a night game, like one of the very first. Yeah, that's right, because that's when they started doing that. That's right. That's cool. Um, so and they blamed it on the lights. Yeah. Double no hit jump. Yeah. So anyway, other season, other leagues and seasons, uh, or sorry, not leagues, but seasons that had multiple no hitters that were at least more than four. Nineteen sixty two, they had one, two, three, four, five in that year. Uh, they had one, two, three, three, three and sixty three, three and sixty four, three and sixty five. Only one in nineteen sixty six. The sixties were the year, like the decade of the no hitter. I think um, sixty seven. There's three. Sixty eight. There was five. Sixty nine. There was one, two, three, four, five, six in nineteen sixty nine. Ooh, the year of the no hitter. Yeah, that was the year after they lowered the mound. After they lowered the mound. Sixty eight. They had the high mound. In sixty nine, they lowered the mound. And they had that many no-hitters? Uh, five no-hitters in 1973. Guess who threw two of them? 73, two of them. Uh, uh, he's no, the no. guy with the most no-hitters of all time. Oh, Nolan. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, Nolan had two no-hitters. He had one in May and one in July in that season. Uh, and then they kind of taper off as, like, having a lot during the season. 76 had a good year worth one, two, three, four of them. Um, and a lot of combined. Now, here's the question. Do combined no-hitters still count as tossing a no-hitter? They do not in the official record. Books. Okay, but the team still gets one. And, gets and one you still is. record it as a no-hitter that right. was thrown. But the pitcher doesn't get credit for it. Did you know Dick, Dennis Eckersley threw a no-hitter? Yes. Yes, in 1977 for the Indians. Um, Tom Seaver. For the Reds. For the Reds in 1978. Never threw one for the Mets. No, he did not. And Tom Seaver is a card in the all-time Reds set as well as the all-time Mets set. Yeah. But here is the year I think of the no hitter, right? Well, we, I said earlier, eighteen eighty four, right? We had nine of them, okay. But again, that was when the mound was shorter, like the rules were different. But in nineteen ninety, I think this might be one of the years of the no hitter. There was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven no hitters in nineteen ninety. Seven. Seven. Um, the first one was a combined one between Mark Langston and Mike Witt for the Angels. Um, you had one in June by Randy Johnson. And then in June, a week later or so, Nolan Ryan threw his sixth no-hitter. Wow. Dave Stewart threw one in that same month. Fernando Valenzuela threw one on the same day as Dave Stewart. So Dave Stewart and Fernando Valenzuela both threw a no-hitter on June 29th of 1990. That's awesome. Yeah. And then Terry Mulholland in August. Dave Steve in September finally got his no-hitter. Because I remember the thing about yeah, Dave Steve. He had like one hitter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he had a whole bunch of no-hitters. No and then the next season, uh, in 1991, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven no-hitters that year in 1991. So back-to-back -back seasons. Yes. Right? And Nolan Ryan got his seventh one. Uh, Tommy Green for the Phillies. And then the, there, was a, there was a combined one. Dennis Martinez, Wilson Alvarez, Brett Sabring Hagen got one. 
but then like the, throughout the years there, it just kind of goes back to like maybe two a season or three a season. Um, 2001 had three, but 2010 was a pretty good year for it. There was one, two, three, four, five, six in 2010, right? Uh, Halliday got one. Uh, Dallas Braden. Man, these are some names. Ubaldo Jimenez. Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson, all pitchers through a no-hitter. What you have to think about, too, is since 1962, no-hitters have increased. Reason being, talent's watered down because of the expansion, and there are less good hitters and more good pitchers. Arms are premium, and the hitters are not as, as primo, especially once you get into the 69-70 year when you really pop the expansion and you go to 30 teams. Then you're going to start really seeing more and more and more because I'm telling you the, the talent's watered down. Talent is totally watered down. Yeah. So you know, it is. But the argument, and this is why I wanted to bring this conversation up, because apparently the argument this year is that, oh, that's more about the rotation per minute thing and, you know, that type of stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. It's all about true outcome. Hitters I, trying to hit home runs with two strikes. See, I don't. I I think it's randomness. I don't think it has anything to do with anything. I think it's a completely random thing. Like you go in, you're going through. I'm going through the list and seeing these no hitters and seeing these pitchers that pitchers that do it. Then I'm sorry. Like the more pitchers that throw no hitters are more so not Hall of Famers than the Hall of Famers throw no hitters. You know what I mean? That, what I mean by that? I, I understand yeah. what you say there, but what I'm telling you is this: 2021. Major League average game per team is over nine and almost 10 strikeouts per team. Yeah. It is more than one and a half than any season ever. So batters are swinging for the fence and pitchers love it. Yeah, here, hit this. And if you can't, you're out. It's that simple. They're not hitting singles. For the first time ever, ever, there's as many home runs, There, excuse me, there's more strikeouts than singles yeah. in the big leagues. This is the first time that's ever happened. So that's why you're seeing more no-hitters now, and it's going to become more and more common. You're going to see, and it'll be a lot more combined. You're going to see a lot more combined no-hitters. Shutouts are going to happen. A, a team will come down one day and score 14. The next three days, they score 0-1-0. Zero, See, I don't know if you're going to see more. I just don't know if they're going to increase that much. I just think it's a freak occurrence, and here's why. So we've had six recorded no-hitters this year, right? We had two in April, and we had four in May. And as I was going through that entire list, there have never been four hitters in one month, ever. Well, okay? Well, so, But but here's the year. thing. Okay, so if somebody, if somebody, like, we're going to enter June here, and some guy is going to be, you're going to get a notification on your phone that's like, no-hitter progress. Right. Right? Um, I think the pressure is on now. It's like when it comes back to it, it's got to be on a lot of people's minds. And so I think if a pitcher gets in that situation or the, the team that's getting no hit gets in that situation, the pressure is going to either pressure is going to get to him or not. But I don't know if it's going to exponentially increase. Do you think that a team, here's an opinion question for you. Do you think that a team that's being no hit in the seventh and eighth inning in a close ball game is going to try to get a base hit? Or are they still going to do the all or nothing? Depends on the score. It's close. So if it's if it's a, a if it's a two nothing ball game, 
they're going for the fence. Exactly. If it's a 12 to nothing ball game where you don't want to get no hit, you're going to do everything you possibly can do to slap one out and get, get no hit. I hope you're right. Because no right. team, no, no offense wants to be no hit. Even if like, even if they ruin somebody's historical performance, they don't want to be the guy or be the players that got no hit. I, I, I hope you're right. I yeah. hope you're right, but I don't think you are. Well, we'll see. We got we're, another we three, four months to go. You're right. So <laughs> the June's coming up. Memorial Day is tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, by the way, thank you for all you veterans out there. Uh, Memorial Day is tomorrow, and I just we're not we're a third of the way through the season. Memorial Day is the third the third bowl. All right, let's let's uh, we'll see. I predict there will be no more no hitters this year. Hope you're right, but I don't think you will be. I think there will be four more. <laughs> Well, let's see. That's going to be an interesting bet there. Okay. All right. Our next topic of conversation here. New cards. New cards. Let's start with the first set. And before we get into the big boys that we're going to talk about. Okay. Let's get into the first set that I handed you. I okay. hope you brought it in. Yeah, I did. I did. It is the newest of the greatest players in their greatest season. Yeah. And people have been emailing me. I bet I've gotten 20 emails on this one. That is totally The Giants, baby. We got the Giants, man. All right. So here we go. First one to look at is the 1969 version of Willie McCovey. It's a beast. Yeah, that's a good card. That's a really good card. He's a beast. Plus two first baseman. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a definite cleanup hitter right there. Uh, you also you think you think that that's the better. And this I, team, he may not even bat in the top six. Well, well okay. This Bill, team is unbelievable. You got Bill Terry, his 1930 season. I'm glad to see Bill Terry in there, man. That's an amazing card. Batted 401. 401? Yeah. And it's his only season, I think, for Terry that he had a plus two on there. When we oh, say yeah. plus two, we're talking about recent yeah, guys. Respects, and yeah. Terry's a plus two on that. Really good OPS plus. I believe it was like 175. Really good card. Terry was was amazing, and that's the last 400 season in the National League. 1930. Wow. Almost 100 years ago. Wow. I don't think it's going to happen again. I don't think it ever will. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Kent is second base. Love Jeff Kent. I am a fan. You turned me into a Jeff Kent fan. But I don't like Jeff Kent. <laughs> I know it, but you showed me numbers, and it's hard to dispute that this guy – Maybe one of the top five second basemen of all time. Top five. Top five. Come on. I just love the way this guy plays. And all the old, all the old school people will definitely argue with that because then he, he's a terrible fielder. He's average. He's an average fielder. Yes, they underestimate. This, they, they do it all the time. People underestimate yes. his fielding. But top five. Top five. Well, I okay. love this guy. I just think he's a really, really solid player. If I was picking a team, Jeff and Jeff Kent was available for whatever. I think he runs like. Uh, there's normal cards like eight points. I'm taking Jeff Kent. Well, I'm not trying to be mean here, but you won't win a World Series then. You definitely won't. <laughs> you won't, even if he's on the Dodgers. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so there's shortstop. This is a shocker. Yes, you're not ever going to guess. You guys out there try to guess who I put is the Giants' best shortstop of all time in one season. Yeah, somebody might. like. I would pick like Travis Jackson yeah. or something. Or Brendan, Brendan, Brendan Crawford. Crawford. And I, I looked at those guys. I looked at those guys, but this card blew me away. Rich. How many um, points? How many points? 25 points. 25 points for a guy that you don't even think about. Rich. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That was his 2001 season. That was, 
That was definitely a juice season, I think. I'm not saying that Richard, uh, Richard Lee was no, juiced, but, can't prove it, but but 2001, that was a big power year for a lot of people. That was. Look yeah. at that card. Is that an awesome An card? SS54 with 37 home runs plus two. Yeah, that's a pretty stout card. <laughs> SS54. Tell you what, these Giants don't steal bases, though. They don't steal a lot. They don't They don't need to. Don't. Oh, okay, here we go. We're going third base. I'm going to say, again, this is the third time in a row. This has been the weakest position. The weakest guy of the team is the third baseman. And 1930 Giants again, who didn't win the pennant that year. They did, did not. Um, Freddie Lindstrom. Fred Lindstrom. 379 hitter. So Bill Terry and Freddie Lindstrom. On the same on team. On the same team. Wow. They probably and, did, they and did a year where the National League batting average was over 300. Yeah. yeah. But the thing about this card, and I, and I looked at it hard because I was looking at another third baseman. Matt Williams had a season where he was on pace to break the record in the strike happens. Matt Williams is an amazing player. You don't put the 94 on there? I've thought about it. But he, but he, but you look at the card, and it's right there in the height of the steroid era. 94 oh, but is right so there. so is Rich Aurelia's I know that. Season. But he gets one respin. On the season where he's going to break the record, <laughs> he doesn't even score a 142 OPS plus. So I'm like, nah, we'll go, Rich. We'll, we'll go with uh, Freddie Lynch. Another guy that I looked at was Jim Ray Hart. Yeah. I really thought seriously about putting him on there, but that Freddie Lindstrom season in 1930, how can you beat that? But how many respins does that Lindstrom card get? One. On a 375 batting average, and he gets one respin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the same argument. I know. I, I argued him, I beat myself up, but ah, let's go with Lindstrom. All right, so catcher, I think this is no-brainer. You got 2012's Buster Posey. MVP. Yeah. Uh, twenty-one point catcher, and he's having a good season this year too, man. He is. He's good. He's, he's carrying that back. team offensively. I think. Yeah, three thirty hitting catcher. I mean, MVP, World Series champ. It's one of the best catching seasons ever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm a fan of Buster Posey. I just like him, even though he did hit a grand slam off of us in that 2012. Was that uh, was that against Matt Latos? That was against Matt. You can't call a strike for me, umpire, and I'm mad. Latos, so I'll just throw it right down the middle to the best hitter in baseball. Somebody's bitter. All right, so uh, in right field, <laughs> right field, I think this is a no-brainer as well. You got Mel Ott. Mel Ott, nineteen twenty-nine. Yes. Yeah. Right 40, before the thirty season, a great year for Mel Ott. Yeah, forty-two home runs, hundred fifty-one RBI, plus two hitter, twenty star power points. That's pretty pretty tight. Points for a right fielder out there. And I'm sorry, this is probably the best out. This is this rivals the Yankees outfield. Oh like. yeah, it might even be better. Yeah. So center field. We got Kenny Lofton. I'm kidding. Uh, you have Willie Mays. Do you know that I, I make these cards and I do this and I really have fun doing this. I made that Willie Mays card three times before I finalized it because I made the 50. What is that one? The 50. Uh, 55. 55. I made the 54 where he was MVP. I made the 65 where he hit 50 homers. And I said, no, this is his best season right here. And it's an amazing card. Yeah, the 55 is good. Look I like at it. the triple. I love the triple, but I, <laughs> I, I'm going to be a little critical he here. Vegan triples. We're going to be critical here. He, he sacrificed his double definitely for it then. He did. He, his double's very small. Yeah. But it's still with the maze. All right. Yeah. And then you got the creme de la creme. The card of uh, all every, cards. Well, everybody online. And I already saw you comment on I already saw the comment on Facebook about it. But there's there's definitely everybody's opinion. It's just like, hey, there's the steroid card right there. <laughs> you, are, you just made a steroid <laughs> argument. With how can you not make that card though? Look yeah. at that card. It you're not, not so going to cool. make the Matt Williams 
home run you card. Know, I looked at it. He had plus one respin. So we're talking about the nineteen or the two thousand one Barry Bonds card where he broke the home run record. Yes. Um, it's, it's 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 silly. It's just silly. It's insane. Yeah. Here's the thing about that Barry Bonds card, and I know the home runs forty five degrees, guys. It's a monster home run. But the thing that broke me up about this: look at his strikeout. Yeah. No, it's it's not that big. It's like it's, about a fifty degree strikeout, forty five. Yeah, it's 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 tiny compared to the others, and his ground ball flyouts are just non existent. He's either going to strike out, walk, or hit a home run. That's Barry Bonds' true outcome right there. And he hit three fifty that year. Yeah, no, he was definitely in his own league. Definitely, and that oh, and as I emailed you, that is over point one less than his best. On base percentage season. Oh wow! Yeah, his best that was a five forty something, I believe, and his best was like six fifty. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. It is that that card's illegal. How many points is he? Twenty. Twenty points for that ridiculous card because he's an average left fielder. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He's not an S four. Nope. All right, so moving on to pitchers, your starting right-handed pitcher. Uh, from the 1966 Giants, you have Juan Marichal. Everybody expected Christy Matthews, and I know you did. So I decided to go with somebody who never won the Cy Young Award. So why are you trolling people, man? Like, people want that 1905 Christy Matthews. Well, they card. do, don't they? And that's not even his best year. 04 was better than that. So you decided not to throw their best right-handed pitcher? I like that Marichal card, and I got to watch him play. That's true. Yeah, more people probably... You know, connect Marichal to Matthewson, I guess, because people saw him play and nobody saw Matthewson play. But, man, that's a tough choice but right that's there. a good card. It's a good card. A real good card. Plus four, S9. Yep, it is. S9 plus four. And here's the one that blows everybody away. We were talking a little bit before about it. Madison. Yeah, Madison Bumgarner, 2016 Giant card. And I was thinking, you know, we could go Carl Hubble. And he's got some good, good, good years. The 1936 Carl Hubble or the 1933 Carl Hubble, I would take the same. But hey, you got to think now, all these are set one. This is set one. Yeah. We can make another giant set. That's not a big deal. But this Madison Bumgarner card's nice. Yeah. This is a World Series card. No, it's not. I thought it was. What year is this one? 2016. 16. Okay, 14. Was, but this is his really, really best season. I think he won 15 games that year. Yeah. He's really over the top, over 10 strikeouts per nine. He's really – this is a fun card to use. Yeah. And the reliever, who do you think? Uh, The Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. We got Brian Wilson closing Brian it out. Wilson. Yeah. I had to do it, man. I had to do it. He, of all their relief seasons, I was like, oh, well, how am I thinking Steve Miller? I'm thinking Sergio Romo, and I'll go. 2010 Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson card is off the chart. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's good. It's a good one. I mean, a lot of B, but a lot of respin. Yes. Yes. And a big K. What a fun team to go out there and throw down with. Yeah. No, this is good. This would be a good team. I like this one. Uh, I think I'd go. I'm I'm just going to spite Marichal. I'm sorry. I'm going to go Madison Bumgarner as my starting pitcher. I'm going to lead off with Barry Bonds. You got it, man. And then batting in the two-hole, Willie Mays. Willie Mays, Barry Bonds. Uh, batting in the three-hole, Mel Ott. Mel Ott. I'm going to go outfield all the way. Batting cleanup, I'm going to go Buster Posey. Buster Posey. I told you, McCovey might not even hit the top six. Uh, batting after Buster Posey would be, I'd probably put Bill Terry. Yeah, hitting the 400. And then win the five-hole. Yeah. Here's a 400 hitter that hits in the five-hole. And I put McCovey batting six. You got him in the top RBIs. six. Okay. 
Uh, just a spike can't. I'm gonna put him in the nine hole. I'm gonna put <laughs> I'm gonna put Fred Lindstrom in the seven hole. Three seventy hitter hitting seven. Rich Aurelia in the eighth. A thirty seven home run <laughs> shortstop in the eight hole. And Jeff Kent cleaning or let, finishing things off in the nine hole. Holy cow! Now that's a hard lineup to beat. Yeah. Wait. There's no weakness in that. Oh, game. you got a misprint on here. Which one did I do? You put Barry Bonds as a plus zero. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Man. Well, we should give him plus zero anyway. <laughs> should that be like the? Should that be the steroid penalty? That is it. There you go. <laughs> if you're a known or highly suspected steroid user, that Barry Bonds. I'll go home. I'll change that before anybody buys that. Team Bonds will get his plus two. He spins. Barry Bonds card, like like pre steroids, was amazing anyway. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. I've had some requests to make that card. I'll, I'll post that in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, would it be post 98? Like, any, like 19... Before he went to the Giants. No. No. It would be It would be until 1998. Okay. We can do that. Because, he, like... He had some 40 home run years during that time. Yeah, but, like, the 98... Like, read the, the Game of Shadows book, the, the Ken Burns documentary, uh, all the other stuff. Like, he didn't start doing that until, like, after the McGuire-Sosa chase. Well, anyway, that... Group of cards is up for sale. There's 12 of those cards in the greatest giant players in their greatest season, and it's for sale for five bucks. We'll talk about prices here in a little bit as we continue on with the next topic. All right. Well, also for sale coming out, like we we just released um, an all-time team set, uh, the all-time Royals. So that's the, right. The that Royals just came out like uh, three, four weeks ago. The all-time Royals. Another one coming out this week. All-time Astros. All-time Astros. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. Because I think that you're going to have a Royal and an Astro that's all the same guy. With, uh, isn't that uh, the guy that managed the uh, managed the uh, Mets for one day? And then <laughs> they fired him. The guy that's on the Royals played center field, hit all the home runs for the Astros in the playoffs. Can't even think of his name. Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran. Well, what happened? He, he played for the Astros for like half a season. Okay. You're not counting, huh? <laughs> what? No. Right. But he hit nine home runs in the playoffs for him. For half a season for he played one for playoff season, But he's yeah. not an all-time Astro. Okay. All right. Spoilers. Carlos Beltran <laughs> not is not on the all-time Astros. <laughs> And neither is Eddie Matthews, right? No, <laughs> no. I got I put some older Astros on there. That's good. It's like actually the Astros. To be fair, is one of the more mixed groups of time periods I've done so far. Well, you know the Killer Bees are going to be there. Oh yeah, definitely. and you know that, and you know that Jimmy Wynn's going to be there. Yeah. All right. So that's coming out later this week. Also, and we're super excited to announce this one. The main topic for today. We've been working heavily and uh, nonstop, twenty-four hours a day. Just kidding. All right. No, we've been working super hard on these next, set, next sets because uh, this is something we wouldn't want to do for years. It's just been super hard to do to make this thing accurate. But we are starting to release the first batch of the Negro League sets. And I couldn't be more excited about this. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. I did release, so for you guys that want to play it, a Negro League team, the 1931 Homestead Grays. Gentry has pointed out many, many uh, inaccuracies in the set that will be fixed as we do more research so don't worry about it yeah and, so that, well, and still it's a fun team to play even as is it's and still a blast. to be clear though and this is difficult on this end because we have to use and i just want to kind of explain this i have to use a multitude of resources first and foremost we always go to baseball reference okay that that's a good place to get resources and stats uh the second place that i use is the negro baseball hall of fame bios okay i also use the saber uh, metrics site that they do if something is available for those players 
I always use Wikipedia to try to get general general information on this guy, on these guys. Uh, the the main site that I use for accurate stats for fielding stats, OPS Plus, is this great website called Samheads. Seamheads. Seamheads. Sorry. Samheads is good though. I yes. Like that. Okay. Seamheads. I'm sorry. Seamheads. Yes. Yeah. But what Seamheads has done is they've compiled the available data, the accurate data that they can, they have gotten so far. Uh, to provide stats for Negro League players and teams. And as time progresses, right. they will get even more complete right. with these stats. And so what you run, what we run into problems with on these sets are stuff like strikeouts for batters, stolen, stolen bases, bases yeah. stolen bases caught stealing, that uh, win-loss record for pitchers. Like that, that's a little bit more difficult to track. But for the production of our cards, the stats that we need are there to make an accurate card of what he does as performance-wise. And not only that, the way that I made that 31 Grace team, they're a fun team to play. And remember, we are playing a game. Yeah. And this team, if, if you caught my YouTube video just last week, this was the most exciting game that I have ever played when I played the 31 Homestead Grays against the 1927 Bronx Bombers. Oh, it's fun. It was so much fun. And I even hinted there in the eighth inning that the uh, Homestead Grays had a tarp over the bullpen. We can't see who's warming up in there. And for by and I'm telling you guys, I didn't Photoshop this or anything. The Yankees were winning by two going to the top of the ninth. And I brought in Wilsey Moore to close this deal for the Yankees, the greatest relief pitcher of the 1920s. Mm -hmm. I brought Wilsey Moore into the game to shut it down. And these guys came back and put up the three spot to take the lead in the ninth inning. I had already planned that if they had taken the lead, I was going to bring in the guy that only pitched one game that year for the Homestead Grays the greatest pitcher, according to Gentry, of all time, according to me, the second greatest pitcher of all time, Satchel Paige. Yeah. And so I said, after, after they took the lead, I said, they pulled the tarp, and look who's walking in from the bullpen, and I bring in Satchel Paige. And you guys need to watch the video to see what happens. Because the legend of the 1942... Uh, East-West. East-West World no, no, Series. No, no, the World Series, yeah. When Satchel Paige walked the bases loaded to pitch to Josh Gibson. Yeah. Okay. Good story. Great story. And I listened to Bob Kendrick tell it, and I listened to Buck O'Neill tell it. Oh, shout out to Black Diamonds. Oh, my goodness. That's the greatest podcast I've ever listened to. You turn me <laughs> the pro that, the production the value is so good. It's amazing. Yes. But anyway, Bob Kendrick, if you're listening, thank you for that podcast. Yeah. We love it. But anyway, so I hear the story from Buck O'Neill that they have in the Baseball Hall of Fame archives. Bob Kendrick retells the story about how he looks over to Buck O'Neill and says, Buck, you know, after the guy hits a two-out triple, and he says, you know what I'm going to do this next batter? And Buck says, yeah, you're going to strike him out. We're going to go to the hotel, and we're going to eat dinner, and it's all done. He goes, nope, I'm going to walk the next guy, and I'm going to walk the next guy because the fans paid to see Satchel Page pitch to Josh Gibson. And he did it, and he struck Josh Gibson out on three pitches. Yeah. Well, anyway. I'm in the ninth inning, bottom of the ninth, and Satchel Page gets the first two guys out. Okay? I am at the top of the order. Ruth is the three-hole hitter. And I've got, coming up to bat, Earl Combs, Bob Muzel with two outs. No, excuse me. I've got Combs made an out. Bob Muzel is up to bat. So I tell everybody, listen, Satchel is going over there and talking 
to the first baseman, and they're talking, and he says, all of a sudden, Satchel puts an intentional walk on Bob Musell. And he says, they didn't come to see me strike out Bob Musell. They paid to see me pitch to Babe Ruth. So I pitch him to Babe Ruth. And he gets all these respins happen. I think I used three respins in here, and Ruth finally dubs a three. Yeah, and bloops a single. And bloops a single that doesn't score a run. So you got runners on first and second. Up comes Lou Gehrig. Gehrig has already hit a grand slam in this game. Yeah. That put their team ahead. Right after I had said, and I don't know why this happened in this game, but it did. I said, yeah, Gehrig's the all-time grand slam leader. Bam, and he hits a grand slam home Used run. to be. Used to be, right. Yeah. So anyway, Gehrig is up, winning runs on first. Gehrig's in the box. Page spins a minus hit walk. Yep, I saw that. Yep. And Gehrig spins it, and it lands dead smack on the one, right in the center of the one. Foul ball. <laughs> and I'm just, you can hear me. I am losing it as I'm playing this game because I am not expecting these results. I'm hoping for these results. And I get them. Next thing he does, hits an eight or a four or something like it flies out, ball game's over. But I'm telling you guys, it was the greatest game of star power baseball that I've ever sat down and played so long. It was the most fun I ever had. I mean, I was talking about it to my wife who could care less. That's how excited I was. Yeah, and so the significant part of this team, uh, the 1931 Homestead Grays, is that they are regarded as possibly the greatest team that's ever been assembled. Correct. They they had, that's why we put them against the 27 Yankees. They had five Hall of Famers, like National Baseball Hall of Famers on there. Josh Gibson, Smokey Joe Williams, Oscar Charleston, Willie Foster, and Judd Wilson. And the Judd Wilson card yeah. on this team is possibly one of the greatest single-season cards ever made. you got a plus-two power like, hit at 400. He's better than Hornsby. Oh, my gosh. The Judd Nelson card is Judd out Wilson. of Judd, sorry, Judd Nelson. Boom, that's, that's what are they calling? Boom, Judd? Bajoom. 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 Not Judd Nelson's the guy from the Breakfast Club. Judd Wilson. Judd Wilson. Um, 415 hitter. 415 hitter. Now, this was only B55. This was only stats compiled for his Negro League play that I have on through the, Through the independent league. Yes, that's yes. there. So, But if you go through, and I think Bob Kendrick said this on his podcast, too, that he did hit over 400 that year. And so I'm it's, yeah, I it's, thought he said he hit like 480. Yeah, yeah. He was, it was insane. It was insane. What yeah. a year. This yeah. guy was locked on, and he's a Hall of Famer yeah. and a deserved Hall of Famer. And that year he was also a 3B55. Yeah. Nothing got by this guy. No, this guy was good. amazing. And Josh yeah. Gibson, this was his rookie season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, if you do get this Homestead Grace team, it's, uh, it, oh, there's another great card in this that's so much fun. Ted. Double, Double duty, duty Radcliffe, Radcliffe yeah. is, in, is on this team, and uh, he's, the, he's basically their backup catcher and the relief. Pitcher. And he's their pitcher. <laughs> he's a pitcher because and the story behind Ted Double Duty Radcliffe was that uh, he had they were they were playing a doubleheader, and apparently he caught a game. He caught the first game. Satchel Page threw a shutout. Yeah, and then Double Duty Radcliffe out there went the second game and tossed a shutout as well. And from that point on, and the guy that was writing about it was named Damon Runyon. Yeah. Damon Runyon was a great American sports writer and journalist at the time, and he said, this guy pulled double duty and was worth the price of admission just to watch him play. And from that time on, he was known as Double, double duty. duty. Yep. 
So the 1931 Homestead Grays, one, of the, one of the greatest sale. teams ever is, are out there for purchase. For purchase, you can buy them. That's a $5 purchase, and we're not going to change those prices. Uh, they're beautiful cards, guys. Like, they're in parchment-looking paper. That's $5 if you tell me you heard the podcast. There you go. Okay. All right. Uh, the Judd Wilson cards are worth it alone. All right. So that we have a team available, and uh, throughout the course of this summer, we're probably going to be making some more uh, greatest season uh not great season, but great like teams for through the Eagle Leagues, like forty two monarchs. Forty two monarchs is yeah. definitely on yeah. your to do list. Yeah, so there's going to be more single season teams that come out for the Negro Leagues. And, and I, I really took a, a pains to make this card look pretty. Yeah, and we're going to go through and probably focus more on the World Series, Negro League World Series winners, that type of thing. Go through the lore of like who the greatest ones were, and then kind of make like kind of trickle our way down for that. There it is. All right. But uh, the headliner here is that we are making all-time cards for sing for Negro League players, and we're digging back. We're not just making the Hall of Famers. We're not just making the guys that are in the Negro League Baseball Museum. I'm trying to make as many as possible that were significant in the history of the Negro Leagues. And somebody asked me the other day, how many cards are there going to be when this is finished? And I said, a lot. Yeah, so... At this point, I would estimate probably in the range of 250 to 300. And they're coming out soon. Now, these sets are in our new format, and we're going to announce it right here. As of July the 1st, so you have one month to purchase cards at their normal prices. As of July the 1st, all 36 card sets that we have out now that are $8.00, are going to be $12. We got hit with paper increase. We got hit with ink increase. We had to buy a new printer. We had to increase the price of the cards from $8 to $12. Sorry, guys. That's baseball. I've got to do what I've got to do. So every 36-card set during the month of June, you can buy for 8 bucks still. That includes shipping. After July 1st, the price goes to $12. The new teams that we will be putting out, the new sets of cards, are going to be 12 cards deep. They're going to sell for $5. So you're going to get a lifetime card, picture on the front, stats on the back, 12 cards, which will include eight, all eight positions, one DH, and three pitchers. But this is specifically for the Negro League set. And it's going to be for all future sets that I make. All future sets, which is going to start with the steroid era and go into the what I call the black ball, which is before 1900. Yeah. All those sets, sabermetric set, current league sets are going to be 12 cards, and they're going to be $5. Last but not least, the greatest teams set, which have been $5, we're going to increase the price of those beginning July 1st. So if you want to get them before that, the price of the greatest team sets are going to go to $8. So we got $5 for the new 12 card sets. The team sets, greatest single season teams, are going to be $8. And the 36 card sets, which are already in production and out there in multitudes of them, are going to $12. All right. Um, let's go through some of these players in the first couple sets. Of $5 set right now. Okay. So, first guy that I got pulled up here, Jabo Andrews. You see him? I do. Man, he is a four point player. He's a left fielder and he's got one respin. So he played from 1930 to 1942, and he's kind of a journeyman. Like I think he, I don't know if he played for the same team 
any season. A lot of them didn't. A lot of them didn't do that. Yeah. And, and they just they went around. But you got to also remember, too, when we build Negro League teams, there weren't that many players on the roster. Most of them had 15 to 18 players max, and they were all versatile, and they yeah. could play more than one position. Yeah, and that's one thing that about these sets that would be cool, because you're going to have uh, guys that both pitch and hit. Yes, you will. Okay. This is a fun, fun set yeah. of cards. All right, so the another uh, outfielder uh, for the first set. Or actually, excuse me, uh, infielder. Walter Rev Kennedy, an 11-point card. He plays shortstop, second base, and third base, and has a respin. And my favorite thing on his card is like he attacked an umpire uh, after a game because he broke his back because he didn't like a call. <laughs> there you go. Hey, yeah. Jackie Robinson was a fighter. Yeah. All right, Jimmy Crutchfield, five-point center fielder. SCP, it's a P5R5 center fielder. And he's a, he's a, he's a small ball player. Like he's a he's gonna bunt the ball, bunt and run. Um, these pictures on these cards too. Gentry has dug and dug and dug to find these great, great high quality pictures. They look amazing. These cards are awesome. Yep. They have a blue gray background that are beautiful on there, and they have great stars on them. And they I'm, also on the back of them have some tremendous. Yeah, animation. and I'm also trying to put a couple, maybe three Hall of Famers per set. Right. So if you get 12 cards, you're probably going to get two or three Hall of Famers per. And there you go. Yeah. yeah. So the first Hall of Famer is, I'm not going to go through every one of them. I just kind of want to start naming some of these guys. The, the first Hall of Famer on here is Willard Brown. Otherwise, Home run, ese hombre. Yeah, ese hombre. Willard Brown. Willard Got Brown. Got a fact about Willard Brown. What's that? Hit the very first home run, major league, by a Negro League player in the American League. That's right. And it was an inside-the-park home run That's right. in Cleveland. Yeah. And Josh Gibson said about Willard Brown, most feared power hitter in the game. I'm not talking about Josh Gibson. I'm saying Josh Gibson said that about S.A. Ombre. Yeah. Uh, here's a 20-point shortstop who's not in the Hall of Fame. His name is John Beckwith. Good player. How about that card? Uh, Bob Kendrick talks about him. Yeah. Plus two shortstop, guys. Um, I had to put this next guy in the first set. Um, Buck O'Neill. Buck O'Neill is, the, and, and, and you, you always hear uh, Bob Kendrick revere him. And he never talk, talks about him as Buck O'Neill. It's always the late, great Buck O'Neill. Yeah. You also get the I sap- listened to his Hall of Fame speech, by the way. Yeah. Buck O'Neill's amazing. He's not in the Hall of Fame. No, but he had an acceptance speech that was introductory in 1971. Yeah. You need to listen to it on YouTube. It was amazing. He had everybody, everybody in the entire gallery holding hands and singing. (laughs) This is Buck O'Neill. That's nice. I met him, as you did too. You met him when you were very small in a Kansas City. I brag about this, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a bragging point. Sitting by the third baseline. All right, so baseline. two more Hall of Famers you get in this set. You get set one, you get Satchel Page. You get Judy Johnson, great third baseman. Uh, you get Frank Duncan. Um, and then the highlight of this set for me, uh, there's a good pitcher in here named John Donaldson, a 10-point starting pitcher. Good, good, good pitcher. Uh, the highlight of this is the double duty red. Double duty and, and the reason I love this card so much is like you got two cards here, but he's a zero point player. Costs nothing, and he can he, pitch and he can hit. And he can hit, he can pitch, he can catch. I mean, catch, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's zero. This is this is one of my favorite. I'm going to put double duty Radcliffe on my team no matter what. You can take him over Bob Euchre. No, Bob Euchre and double duty Radcliffe are going to be my catchers. And they could like Euchre could catch when Radcliffe's pitching. Yeah. How cool would that be? Radcliffe pitching to Euchre. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the beauty of this game. That's the beauty of Star Power. I can have I can have Double D Radcliffe pitching to Bob Euchre. Catching Bob Gibson to start the game. And then go relieve him and have Euchre come out to catch the night. And then put double duty Radcliffe to fill out defensive responsibilities late in the game for Bob Euchre. <laughs> come back out the <laughs> and go back and catch the Yes. That's the beauty. All right. That's those are some cards in set one. Set two. Um, another pitcher card, Dicta Johnson. Dicta Johnson. And this is the thing about this set, guys. Like, I'm digging hard for these guys. Because I want to have the sets be mixed where it's like, hey, I know that guy. Hey, I have never heard of that dude. Right. You know, and that's that's what I want is I want to mix this up and be like, if somebody gets a hold of these someday and they're like, what? Somebody made a Dick to Johnson baseball card? There it is. And you see, we got Gentry. What you don't get is we've got these guys sitting out there (laughs) in Madisonville, Kentucky and in Oshkosh, Wisconsin that call me. And asked me, have you ever heard of this guy? Have you ever heard of this guy? And most of the time I say, no, I never have, but I have now. Yeah. And all of a sudden I make their card. Yeah. Like, who was the big minor league strikeout guy that I made? Oh, yeah. I remember that. I don't know. The, I don't know the I name. I don't remember his name either, but yeah. that was that was old uh, yeah. blanket ship out there in Madisonville. They said, make this card, man. Yeah. So he played that card <laughs> against the 82 Brewers. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, anyway. All right, so Candy Jim Taylor. Candy Jim, I love Candy that card. Jim, man. Good third baseman. Uh, three I years. love that card because he's like 100 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there are some other pictures. Because like some of these pictures on these cards are going to be very hard to see because like the, the frames are so small or they had to chop it from a group team photo or something. But when I found one of this, a Candy Jim, uh, it was just so clear. You know, and it's just, it looked, and like he had been, he, like, uh, he's a Taylor. I think he might be one of the Taylor brothers because there are lots of Taylor brothers in, in baseball, right? Ben Taylor, Candy Jim Taylor, right. CI Taylor. Like, there's a lot of them. And so my, I want to eventually get them all on there, have all the Taylor brothers. Well, that, that picture to me is yeah. just like so cool. Yeah. The picture on that card. Uh, uh, fun fact I can't remember who he's standing next to in that picture, though, but I think it might be Satchel Page. I don't know, but I cut it off. But he's standing next to somebody very famous. And so that's why the picture is so clear is because the other person in that picture who's cut off on our baseball card is a super famous Negro League player. There you go. Yeah. All right. So this, this uh, speaking of clear looking cards, this one is not because it's super hard to get this guy. Uh, Dick Whitworth. Man, this is a card. 10 point pitcher. Uh, S8 plus one. He, this guy was 6'5", 215. He's a giant. Giant pitcher for the right, yeah. right. And a good card. Very yeah. good card. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite names, Frog Reedus. <laughs> I got I found a guy named Frog Reedus, man. Uh, He's a plus one outfielder though for four points. It's a great, points. it's a great card. It's awesome. Oh, here we go. First Hall of Famer. And everybody's gonna want this one. This cool Papa Bell. There's a street in St. Louis named after him. Cool Papa Bell, 14 point center fielder, uh, 55 plus switch hitter. Sack, this guy's going to lay it down. That's like this, my stat on this one for the back is he stole 175 bases in under 200 games played once. He's amazing. Yeah. I thought about putting the one where like he can turn the light off and get in the bed before the light goes off or the, he once ran so fast that on a ground ball that when he ran at first, the ball hit him in the leg on his way to second, you know, there's, there's tons of stuff for Cole Papa Bell. Yeah, we just and, and he's in the Hall of Fame, deservingly so. Yeah, but everybody talks about it. Who doesn't want to have a cool Papa Bell as their leadoff hitter? Though? There you go. Yeah. All right, this next guy was a find. 
and his name's Rap Dixon. Rap Dixon. It's like right. his full name's Herbert Herbert Dixon, but they called him Rap. Right, so he's is an all-star player. He's a plus two respin right fielder, super solid card. Uh, next is a catcher, Larry Brown. They called him the Iron Man. Uh, played in the twenties and thirties, and 40s. he played a long time. Iron Man, yeah, he's an Iron Man. Uh, my, he he's also the guy that threw out Ty Cobb, uh, trying to steal second five consecutive like, times. Yeah, four or five times yeah. in a row. Yeah. They were doing exhibitions, and he just kept gunning out Cobb. And that was now Cobb wasn't in his prime. He was a little bit over his prime, but still, he's trying to steal, and he's just being shut down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another guy that has a great name, Tank Carr. That's my favorite card in the set. <laughs> I love the Tank card. Tank Carr, I man. I love that card, man. Six-point first baseman with a respin. Uh, oh, okay, this is the crazy thing about Tank Carr. And like when I read this, I was like, what? Uh, he enlisted in the Army under a name called Martin Turner. However, the name Martin Turner was actually the name of a movie star. <laughs> and I would like to have more background on that story because, like, why would... And see, here's the, here's what you're doing now, too, and this is so much fun. You're you're beginning to make the backs of the cards, which you haven't done before. No. You're starting to do that, and you're beginning to see why it takes me so long to make these cards because I read the whole thing. Yeah. When they have a bio, I read the bio, and I learn about these guys, and every now and then I pull out some of these crazy facts like you just did. Yeah. And then you throw it down on the card. So when you guys read these cards, think that there was probably 15 minutes of research goes into each one of these cards yeah. on the back. All right, I got a few more here for you. Sam Bankhead, wonderful, wonderful card. A nine-point shortstop, can play second base, and he can play center field. That is, a, that is a utility guy right and there. And that's middle. I mean, yeah. that's the middle. That's the, two, that's the three most expensive positions. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo DeMoss. I love Bingo DeMoss. Oh, man. What a great card. 2B55. All right. Oh, and to, uh, to conclude the set out here for set two, we got two Hall of Famers. We've talked about him one already. We got Judd Wilson. I love Judd Wilson. 18 point third baseman, man. Judd Wilson stout. Now, his lifetime card is nothing like his 1931 card. <laughs> no, but it's still good. But it's still well, well within the I want this for. For 18 points, he's worth everything. According, according to the stats on seam heads, he's a lifetime 358 hitter. And the card definitely shows that. Yeah. And then what I think is possibly one of the best pitching cards in the game is none other than Jose Mendez. Tremendous card with the walk hit minus, home run minus, nice outs, and he's even got a strikeout, which is a rare thing for an old-time player. Yeah. No, Jose Jose Mendez, that's such a good card. Like that that would be a foundation for any team right there. I got you. And, yeah. and, and he's not he's eighteen points, which is the same points as Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. Same points as uh what's the boy the one Cy Young? Uh not Bauer, the other the American League Cy Young. Bieber? Bieber. He's the same points as Bieber. Bieber's eighteen? Okay. Eighteen, yes. Uh yeah, no, but like the Mendez card. So you like with these two first Negro League sets. Like I, I wanted to give you two big pitchers you can throw against each other. You can throw Jose Mendez versus Satchel Page, and it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait to see the Hilton Smith card. Yeah, I'm really pumped about Hilton Smith. I think he might be the greatest pitcher in the Negro League history aside from Satchel Page. Yeah, and his records are usually as I get ahead of myself. <laughs> the, this is set one and set two. Set one and set two. They're out for sale as of June one. June one, you can get the first sets of Negro League cards. Sets one and two.
Ten bucks for both sets, five dollars a piece, and that's not going to change, guys. Those yep. prices are set for twelve card sets. These are our first ones. And just to give you a little teaser, just give you a teaser. What's set three? Coming. Set three has Josh Gibson. Josh Gibson. <laughs> set three. Everybody's going to save your money. <laughs> save that. Save I'm, that I'm, I'm I'm putting like I'm I'm leading these sets with marquee guys. It's like oh that's the set that has Gibson. Oh that's the set that has Hilton Smith. Oh that's the set that has Buck Leonard. That's that's how these are going to roll out. But Root they're gonna be they're gonna be well balanced. They're gonna be nice. I mean, you're gonna find out. Like, okay, what one guy told me, Gentry, and this is so good. These twelve player sets, and I believe it was Frank Osborne, told me that these twelve player sets are so much fun because you can take them and play a game. That's the point. You need yeah. nothing else. You've got your nine guys, including a DH and three pitchers. Yeah. Now, when you go into those great players in their greatest seasons, yeah, you're gonna use all three pitchers. I guarantee. I promise you'll use well, all three. Well, the hitters are just ridiculous. The hitters are way over the top. When you get these Negro League teams, you've got a possibility out there for some pitching performances out here. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean the the Mendez and Page card. You're gonna, you're, they're probably gonna toss the full line. Yeah, uh, but I'm also mixing in a lot of just middle of the road dudes, man. And uh, that's the point is because I just want the I want these players. I want the Negro League players out there to be in our game. You know, intermingle them with the historical uh, other players or whatnot. Just like you can make, you can just m make your teams. And I know people out there that do like their all-time leagues, like the all-time Astros or whatever, right. or the all-time decades and stuff. I know when they start getting their hands on this, they're going to be like, oh, the all-time Negro Leagues are going to kick everybody's butt. Because <laughs> they're, they're so good. But here, and here's, here's your look at these cards. You're going to be able to take these 12 cards. Yeah. Five bucks. Okay, you're going to be able to take $5, and you've got a team that can go on the board immediately. No thinking. All you got to do is make a lineup. Yeah. And throw a pitcher out there. Done. And that's so, that's the beauty of this. Like I said, Frank told me about that, and it was like, yeah, this is a really good idea. I told everybody, Muddy and I played a game with the greatest Yankees against the greatest Reds and wound up 23 to 20. And I thought that these pitchers were going to do something, and he was using cheese bro, and we blew him up. Well, yeah, I mean, he got after tired. he got tired, yeah, he got tired facing Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, Pete Rose, George Foster. He got tired a little bit. Yeah, I get it. I would too. I got tired just spinning. <laughs> it gets crazy. But anyway, here's twelve cards that you can get. That's a team ready to play. And I'm telling you, Gentry, you've made a lot of cards before. This is the best work you've ever done. These cards are really something to see. Thank you. And, and and it's been my dream project. Like I my big project was trying to get all the single season teams made, you know, for all the World Series and stuff. And I love that project. And I put a lot I put decades and or a decade of work into that one. But this one has been the one I've been eyeing for years. And I wanted to I wanted to do it right. I wanted to make them look good and and we are now in star power baseball history where it's the right time for it to come out. And the best thing that could have happened happened just a few months ago when major leagues said we're recognizing yeah. the Negro Leagues as a major league. Which they should have done years ago. And they should and, have and, years yeah, ago. Yeah. No doubt about it. But this is going to change a lot of history. Yeah. It's going to change a lot of records. It might change the home run king. I mean, yeah. if they give Josh Gibson the 870 that they say he hit, that's going to be a, it's going to be difficult because right now, be, right now, I think they have it as is it 200 something they have him down at? I'm going to say this: everybody will party 
in the country, and I'm not one of them that will because I love Barry Bonds, but everybody in the country is going to say, yeah, Josh Gibson, home run king over Barry Bonds. Yes, I'm happy with that. <laughs> Had it been Hank Aaron, people would be up in there, up, up in a riot about him stopping to top and Hank Aaron. But topping Barry Bonds, because Bonds hated the press, the press hated him. I mean, Muddy even put on the on the Facebook page how much he hates Barry Bonds. Right. So if they make Josh Gibson the home run king over Barry Bonds, I think you're going to see everybody around the country going, yeah, that's deserving, yes. But, but I will say this, as much as baseball needs heroes, baseball thrives off villains. They do. And, the Yankees are the villains. Right. And I mean, I the, every good story needs a good villain. Yes. And if you don't have a good villain, unless you're a Marvel movie because they've survived on bad villains anyway. But, <laughs> like, it, but no, every good story needs a really good villain. The worst Marvel movie has the best villain. Which one's that? The Fantastic Four with Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom's the best villain that's ever lived. Well, I don't want to talk about Fantastic Four. Anyways, movies. moving right along. Right. But, yeah, no, the Barry Bonds right now, or for however long, has been the baseball villain because he's so talented and so good at what he does, and he did something stupid, and that even vilifies him more Right. And then he didn't like the press, like just his whole attitude towards the press or just like how the press interprets him anyway. You can look at it different ways. But uh, if Josh Gibson were to uh, be recognized as the home run king, if they can somehow, which I don't think it's going to happen, but if they can somehow track down all those records and start actually justifying it and making sure they got it, because there's people out there doing it, working on it. Well, you do mm -hmm. realize that this opens up something else that's going to happen very soon. We're recognizing the Negro Leagues as a major league. Within the next 10 to 15 years, prediction coming from Star Power Cast, the Japanese League will be recognized as a major league. I think that's going to struggle more so than the major leagues. I like, th I like that prediction, but here's why I disagree. Because we can see talent transfer from Japan to the United States and vice versa. And we see the struggles that they have. We see struggling MLB players go over to Japan and, and, and become and light it up. Uh, not saying this happens all the time, but I'm saying it happens more so, right? Because there's there's a Korean baseball league players or Japanese baseball league, Nippon uh, league players that come over here that are studs in their league, but they come over here, either they come over too late right, or they come over here and can't hold up for a duration of time. Right. I mean, obviously the the number one name is Ichiro, right? Like Ichiro, but, but that that's a god given talent. Like Ichiro, the number one name right now though, Shohei. Shohei. Yeah, the Otani. Oh. But but and yeah, he's a great talent. And more, if he keeps it up all season, he's probably going to win the MVP. He's so a freak. He's a freak. However, like, is it durable? Or are we just witnessing like something like Fernando Mania, where like Fernando comes in the league in '81? has this great year, then he's mediocre for the rest of the career. Right. right? Is, I'm rooting for heroes. I always like new guys. I, and I'll tell you, Ronaldo, Ronald Acuna Jr., I'm loving the way he plays. Yeah. Uh, yeah Juan Soto, I'm a big fan. And I, and I, there's one guy that I'm telling you, I'm a super big fan of, of Fernando Tatis Jr. So I'm, I'm still trying really hard, but I think Tatis Jr., is going to be a villain more so than a hero in baseball. I hope so. I <laughs> because hope so. a Maybe lot of the, I have a lot of, the, I have a lot of friends that just hate the staring at the home run and the flair and everything. I know you love it. I don't mind it. I think it's okay. I'm not really, I'm kind of impartial about, it. I don't really care. 
Uh, as, as I keep listening to the Black Diamonds podcast, yeah, I keep hearing Mr. Kendrick say all the time that that's how it was played in the Negro Leagues. There was flair. Well, yeah. There was this. There was. I want that. I want to be entertained. Man, I pay a hundred and forty dollars a year for MLB TV. I want entertainment. I'm 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 the guy who loves the guy on second base and extra innings. I love scoring runs. I'm the guy who loves seven inning double headers. I'm the guy who loves your pitcher must face three batters. I think it's an amazing thing. I love the way that they're trying to change baseball. And I really wish, I am hoping, beyond hope, they move the pitcher's mound back to right between first and third and put it at 63 feet, eight inches, where it should have been the whole time. I don't think, you can't do that. Why would you do that? They would, did it three times in the 1800s. Okay, but that's 1800s, in the though. 18, from 1880 to 1900, they moved from 50 to 55 to 60. And they need to put it to 63 feet. And now 100-mile-an-hour fastball is 96. Okay, I'm going to quote Ken Burns' baseball movie. Here. Let's do it. And there was a person on there. I can't remember who it was. But this, this, this mentality, this philosophy sticks with me. How did they get... The 90 feet between the bases, right. It's just the right amount of space and time for the ball to hit the ground and barely not get not get safe at first base or barely beat the thing the throw out. The 60 feet six inches when they finally came up with that is the perfect distance for that curve to break just the way it's supposed to be. That slider to go into the dirt, that this or the splitter to go in the dirt, the change up to work way. It's the exactly the right amount of space. And they just stumbled upon it somehow. And to go and mess with that and change that, you're gonna have a different game. Uh not really. I'll tell you this, the balls will break more. It, I think it'll hurt the hitters more at first until they adjust. The balls will break more. Well, we more. shouldn't be hurting the hitters now. The balls will break more. They're all, they're all a bunch of Dave Kingwins. It will be. And I'll tell you another <laughs> thing that I really wish that they would do, too, in baseball, is move those fences back 20, 30, 40 feet so that the big boys are hitting home runs and not Jose Altuve. Mm, I don't know. I don't like these little five foot ten, hundred and seventy pound guys getting up there swinging for the fence with two strikes. Well, that's just offensive to little people, man. I like Jose Jose Altuve is five foot seven and one hundred seventy. He doesn't pounds. do it because he's super strong. He does it because he knows what pitch is coming. <laughs> <laughs> he's got no, the little buzzer thing in his chest, no man. Right? You know the guy's a great ball player. Altuve is an amazing player. And the, the Astros, like, man, they are just getting it and getting They are the villains. See, that's they're what I'm saying about villains. They are they are the ultimate villains right now. And still, they're, they've gotten rid of some pieces and stuff. They don't have Justin Verlander. And they're still they're really, still they're one of the best hitting teams in the they league. Are. Love, I'll tell you, baseball today is not dead. Baseball is thriving. I love the way that it's being played. We got villains in Jose Altuve, Trevor Bauer. They're yeah. villains. Gary Sanchez is a villain. The Yankees themselves are villains. I don't think Gary Sanchez is any good. You <laughs> <laughs> had a home run yesterday. Well, you know, I... In a losing effort. I don't want to have a 180 hitting catcher. Yeah, but that's the way the Tampa Bay wins. I know. They got Zanino doing the same thing. But... <laughs> they got 180 hitting catchers that hit home runs. But they win. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But, hey, if they, but if you don't want that style of ball, if you want some old school ball... These Negro League oh, cards man. are where it's at. And, and I'll tell you this much. You can add the flavor that you want. You can add the story that you want. 
but you need to listen to Bob Kendrick's podcast, Black Diamond. Yeah. It's one of the most entertaining and instruct what what do you call it? Informational. Yeah. Uh, educational. Yeah. And it'll really change your perspective on how you think about what happened back then. Yeah. One more shout out for a yeah. podcast, Talking Baseball. Oh, love it. Yeah. Talking Baseball. I love those guys. Uh, Trevor Plouffe's on that one, former Major League Baseball player, John Boy. Uh, I get a lot of information from those guys. They're really, really good. Uh, they know their stuff. So shout out to Talking Baseball as well as Black Diamonds because we do our research, man. We listen to other baseball podcasts because we, we want to. Uh, stay current, know what other people's opinions and thoughts are. And so trying to get our way into that circle hey, all, there, you all know. All you guys out there, another thing that we are, we we are uh, currently unsponsored. This is all done with us. We don't ask for donations. We don't want your donations. We want you to listen, and we want you to tell your friends about the Star Power cast so that we can get more people involved in our hobby because there is nothing more fun than spinning a game with your friend. And as a really good buddy of our show and a really good buddy of our game likes to say, nice or nice, but the spin. <laughs>